live from Mighty Trapdoor Mansion, high atop Tent Hill, it's We Talk Games Video Power Magazine, featuring Frank Hemblin, Horace Pengrove, William Bentley III, with Stinky the Game Master, T.T. Schmootkins, Tishka Honeypot, Alex Greenspan, and Cut Cockbirth! I am part of the We Talk Games Arcade Weekly Peoples. On the Skype pipe is Calvin Kubik. The burden of civilization is upon us. It is. What, what are you, back to these things now? Yeah, okay. yeah, at least for uh, last week, this week, and next week. Try to figure out what I'm quoting. I have no idea, so can you tell me? No. No, I mean, whisper it to me. Oh, I'm not telling you. Oh, you asshole. <laughs> what I gotta do? Get on, get out, get Google, and you know what we gotta remind people to do is go to wetalkgames.com. Oh yeah, like, comment, subscribe, download our podcast through one of many ways: iTunes, Stitcher, through the RSS feed. Also, skitching. you could yeah, you could do some skitching if you want. And while you're skitching, head on over to facebook.com/slash/wtgpodcast. Join that community. That's a lot of fun. We're also on Twitter at We Talk Games and Giant Media Ball. GiantMediaBall.com. How could I forget? There is We Talk Games content on there that is not on our regular feed. So go over there, subscribe to that feed. It's a buffet. It is of a buffet. media content. It is. You got different types of video gaming shows by different people, different opinions, and movie yeah. movie shows. We talk about movies sometimes. There's sneeze guards. Movies. Yeah, sneeze guards on the clean salad. tongs. Yeah, indeed. And we pride ourselves on if, the chocolate fountain and the uh, fried chicken. And if we have red beets, we're going to have cottage cheese and we're going to have sunflower seeds. You're not going to just have one. You know, you go to one place, you only have sunflower seeds. You go to another place, you only have cottage cheese. You go to another place, red beets. No, we got all three. Red beets, sunflower seeds, and cottage cheese. Same helping plate. Bitchin', isn't it? Suck it. <laughs> Suck it. Today's game that we're going to talk about was an arcade game. It came out in 1994, a very good year, 1994. I have no memory of it whatsoever. This was a game for one of my favorite gaming systems of all time, which is my second favorite gaming system, the Neo Geo. <laughs> this one stars Roddy and Kathy. Oh. Top Hunter, Top Hunter. This is like a big buck deer hunting simulator, right? It is. It's a big game hunters, games yeah. that you play at Cabela's. And uh, no, because if this no, was in Cabela's, not. it would be turned off and have <laughs> you know cigarette burns in it from people sending their cigarettes and beers down on it. Mm. This is a game that I always get confused with 1993's Spin Master by Data East. Ah. And then I forget to play Top Hunter because I'm like, yeah, I'm Spin Mastered out. Gotcha. And that's why my clue 
has to do with tops. Has to do with battling tops. Uh, a game from 1968. I always like to be Dizzy Dan, which in hindsight was actually Twirling Tim. I got mixed up and I forgot. Mm. Yeah. Dizzy Dan was blue. Twirling Tim was orange, and that's who I thought Dizzy Dan was orange. Well, this has nothing to do with top fighting, <laughs> does it? Top, top Hunter is a horizontal action platformer brawler. Right. To put it in contemporary terms, One Piece, Ben 10, or Generation Rex. Your arms stretch out, and you can do different things with your stretchy arms. That's right. Two playable characters. Roddy, who has like Dalsim syndrome with his <laughs> arms, and then... Kathy, who actually doesn't, she has a hook shot. Right. It's like a chain sort of thing that shoots out of her wrist to grab onto things. But, yeah, the game is all built around this sort of stretchy arm mechanic. Right on. And so that old planner making mechanics, beginning with 1987. Now, this was 1994 by SNK Top Hunter. 1987, we, of course, got Bionic Commando by Capcom. And that, I think, was the first stretchy arm thing. I could be incredibly hmm. wrong, but that's... The first thing I know with the claw shot, etc. It's similar enough, even thematically. I think that's a good starting point for this game. The only problem with it is that I hate Bionic Commando. I love the concept when yes. I put in my quarter and I was like, "Where the fuck Steve Austin and Jamie Summers?" And the, I know where's Rudy Wells. Come on. Well, you can play that shitty. Uh, what is it? The six million dollar man pinball table. You know. It is shitty, and art's kind of shitty, but you could play six players. That was the big six draw, I guess, or notable thing about that table. Six. That table otherwise sucks. It is a ball buster. You will immediately shatter on most of your launches. I'm going to jump ahead to 1990. You, you might have it. some things to fill in. SNK Cyberlip. And in 91, I have to bring up another Dad East game, which was Joe and Mac or Caveman Ninjas. We talk about it a lot. It doesn't hmm. really have a lot to do with this, but because I think this game is Spin Master, it has <laughs> to do with that and being the first of the larger-sized action platforming, very beautiful-looking games. And in 1992... We had Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. Get over here! <laughs> so that has the stretchy thing. You know, yeah. It pulls you in. That was Midway, of course. And Spin Master came out in 1993, as I mentioned, and Top Hunter in 1994. That's what I have. I know Metal Slug probably fits in there somewhere, but what do, what do you have for Top Hunter here? Well, I did write down Metal Slug because of the art direction yeah, and yeah, sensibility yeah. of the game. Yeah. Uh, but the game hit this note the most for me, which was Riz Star 1995 by Sega. I understand that there are games prior that use stretchy arm mechanics, but uh, Riz Star was a platformer and it was all centered around his ability to stretch his arms and grab onto things. I know Riz Star gets a lot of flack. I kind of like it. I also really enjoyed the Game Gear game because it was one of the first Game Gear games I had and I oh. didn't really have many. I think my entire collection was maybe six or eight and I played the shit out of Ristar. Sure. Um, yeah, it hit that note for me, but uh, something that I talked about a few weeks ago, Ristar, I would also put in the same category as other games I discussed as one-note platformers. I would definitely describe this game as that too, but we'll get into that later for people who are familiar with that franchise, Ristar 1995 by Sega. That's funny because Ristar is part of our new <laughs> in the realm, the realm of, of game, game history. history. 
It's so bad. <laughs> Super Metroid. We're stinky, man. Get roll him out there for for uh, yes. This. No, this is complicated enough. I miss Stinky. I miss him too. You know what? I miss the characters. Yeah, I love the characters. <laughs> Super Metroid uh, by Nintendo came out very similar as well. In not nothing. <laughs> not at all. No, I mean, I think that it's a contemporary title that came out for your home systems. And there are some things. You do have that claw happening, right? Yeah. And you do switch. Hey, what about uh, Castlevania with the Olympic chain? Oh, come on. You marked out for that. Castlevania 4. I loved it. I know. I loved that game. Everyone poo-pooed. I say no. Look, I'm, I'm swinging around and it's mode 7 in a bunch of bricks. It's awesome. Yep. You also had Earthworm Jim by Shiny for the Genesis come out, and that's uh, very similar, whipping around, but you don't really whip your head to draw people in and get over here. And uh, as I was going to mention, one year later, 1995's Rift Star, the shooting star by Team Sonic for the Sega Genesis. I'd also like to riff a little bit off Rift Star. First of all, you you have the stretchy arms, and you can stretch your arm, headbutt your villains. Yes. It also has this centrifugal swinging mechanic where you'll grab onto something and try to keep swinging and swinging and swinging and swinging yourself and then let yourself go to launch yourself through the air like we would see on uh, one of our favorite titles for the Game Boy, the Donkey Kong. Yes. And there were some really interesting, I mean, as far as a platformer, some really interesting non-platforming type of platforming because you would launch yourself with your stretchy arms from one thing and you gr- you try to grab onto another little bulb or a ball to keep launching yourself higher and higher into the air with just these little areas to try to grab onto. Right. So, uh, you know, that's, that's a pretty unique platforming mechanic that is not using your feet. It's my understanding that Ristar was the leftovers from uh, Sega trying to come up with a mascot character. Oh, yeah, I can see uh, that. They, they ultimately ended up with Sonic, but I feel like Ristar had a little more depth because the thing yeah. about Sonic was you would just rush through the level, mm-hmm. and when the game wasn't fun is when you were walking. Right. Because uh, it just was not a very good platformer. It was a one-no platformer. So first and second game, that was it. Like, that was the most you were going to get out of that franchise. Ristar, I think, is a little bit deeper than that, um, but never got the opportunity to be deeper, so it falls under that category as well. But I actually enjoy Ristar more than this, either of those games from the Sonic franchise because of it was more of a traditional platformer, but introduced something that was different from the Mario formula that came prior to it. Mm-hmm. So I think it actually kind of achieved what Sega was looking for, but unfortunately, the idea was kind of truncated by the limited game releases that it had. Yeah, as soon as I saw that a star has feet, you gotta <laughs> think, they're going for a mascot here. Well, I like, you know what, I like, uh, evidently he was supposed to be like a rabbit at first, oh. but I like the fact that he's a star, because what I remember a lot about the Game Gear game was that it was all about him being birthed from stardust and has to defeat this galactic lord, and that was the other thing, too, is the boss battles in oh, yeah. Star were creative, much like in Top Hunter, where it's like a stretch and catch and throw mechanic. Right. How many different ways can we do it? And in Star, each boss battle felt Unique, even though you were essentially doing the same thing. And I felt that way about Top Hunter as well, that the boss battles in Top Hunter were definitely a highlight for the game because graphically there was something cool on the screen and the strategy on how to defeat it while you were still doing the whole stretch and grab and throw, 
it was in a different way that kept it fresh. The other thing about Ristar was, it, to me, it looked like a 32X game. And I mm. really want to do a bobble about the 32X because it was probably the least owned system, you know, air quote system, with pretty great exclusive games, as well as NEC Super Graphics, very similar, but that was more much shorter lived, but it had some neat exclusive titles. And then I'd like to even take that into the PC Engine's arcade card, because they kept that system, that PC Engine Duo and the core system with the CD attachment, they kept that system going for years and years. Even after the PCFX launch, they had you know yeah. that arcade card, which allowed you to play all the Neo Geo type of games and exclusive titles, some original titles like, uh, I can't remember, a female wrestling pro wrestling game that came out for the arcade card. So back into the video gaming realm of gaming history. History. Yes. 1993 time period. Here's uh, one year leading up to it. We're in the realm of Virtua Fighter. Mm. In 1994, same year games, Tekken, Need for Speed for the 3DO came out, which would be the beginning of that franchise. Donkey Kong Country. That sort of uh, similar types of things going on as with Top Hunter, I believe. You know, mm-hmm. platforming, shooting yourself out of the barrel, different uh, graphically of- too. They they had those two planes, right? The foreground and the background. I going, forgot about you know. that. I forgot that feature about Top Hunter. You are on the two jumping planes back and forth, right? Which you didn't do in Donkey Kong Country, but they used it as like a parallax for depth in the background. We also had the first Warcraft came out. No, it wasn't like World of Warcraft, but it was the first Warcraft. Daytona USA was in the arcade. And, of course, Sensible Soccer was a big uh, soccer franchise that, that would. 1993 mm-hmm. hardware that came out. The FM Towns Marty was launched. Ah. The Marty, the first 32-bit home console, which would begin our fifth generation of video game consoles. That was released. Also released was the 3DO, which was a 32-bit home console. The Atari released the first 64-bit video game system. Do the math. Jaguar, do the math. 64 is also half the amount of individual programmers that worked (laughs) on games for the system. And uh, the Pioneer Laser Active debuted as well. So you had the Laser Active, the FM Towns Marty, the 3DO, entering your home living room environment. Yeah, known as the year of hardware failures. <laughs> That's true. But one year before this came out, you were able to start getting that that same feeling. In fact, I think, if I'm not mistaken, either this was the year or 1994 was when the Neo Geo CD came out, which was a single-speed CD with the juggling monkey for a half hour. Yeah. Uh, in 1994, you had the band I played, yeah? which was, of course, a huge, huge success. The PCFX, the successor to the uh, NEC TurboGrafx, which was the death throes of uh, NEC as a, as a video game contender. And this was also the year that Sega began to hit Supernova. And we know what happens after Supernova. <laughs> yeah. The star explodes, and it's nothing but a big, giant piece of black poop. I don't uh, know about you, but as I get older, I get more and more nostalgic for Sega. I hear you. Particularly the Genesis and all the plastic tumors that were plugged into it, like this. <laughs> yeah. C- not not so much the CD, but definitely the 32X. Yeah, 
And I don't know why. I remember in the moment I was like uh, very much the Super Nintendo. Like I was in that camp because you did choose sides. Yeah, sure. Uh, back then, there was always that weird kid who was into. I got my Turbo Graphics sixteen, which I guess was you. But <laughs> yeah, there, was a, there was others I knew in the moment. But it was usually a, a Sega Super Nintendo divide. Sure. And now that I'm older, I find myself when I go back and revisit old games, whether through digital downloads where they're available, which I know we've talked about in the past, but I cannot stress enough: if you got a 3DS. You got to visit some of these Sega M2 3D Reduxes for their old games. They're fucking awesome. They are. They really are. They're just knocking out of the park. But I I, I find myself going back to those old Sega games. I'm just like, man, I I really appreciate these things. They were different. It was a different experience you got on that console at the time than you did from Nintendo. The thing about the Genesis is, is that everyone was fixated on the big hits. Yeah. But the... Second tier hits or sleeper hits, that's where you find a lot of a lot of gems. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, clamor over Gunstar, but Gunstar I Heroes. I might be but, wrong about that. Yeah, Gunstar Heroes, yeah. Uh, I might be wrong one. about this, too. But I feel like in the moment, Sega was known for violent fighting games and sports games. And Nintendo was known for RPGs and platforms. Exactly. And, and that's who bought the Genesis was the sports fans. But if you search for... Those type of games on opposite consoles, like if you look for the violent fighters (laughs) on a Super Nintendo versus looking for good platformers on the Sega, I feel like the Sega has a better library of games that you wouldn't think were on there with with the RPGs, with the strategy games, with the platformers. Whereas if you go to the Super Nintendo looking for violent fighting games, you're not really going to find them. And then sports games, uh, you know, you're going to find, I guess, the same game. You're going to find the same Madden. But but oh my God, was Madden so clunky on the Super Nintendo? Like I couldn't wait. Oh man, I'm going to get it. It's going to be so pretty. And then you play and it's like, it wasn't. (laughs) I'm playing, I'm playing a PowerPoint presentation. I've discussed this in the past. But I really dig the limitations on the audio hardware available on that console because it led to very interesting choices. The music has this very synthy, metallic, tinny sound about it. On the Genesis, yeah. On the Genesis. Uh-huh. And I really dig it. It bleeds 90s. It bleeds that <laughs> 90s true. nostalgia. That's yeah. true. So 1994 is when Sega made all their mistakes at one time because <laughs> they fudged the bucket. They got too big for their britches and just they released the Sega Channel. Mm-hmm. They released the 32X. They released the Nomad and they released the Saturn. Yeah. So here you are still pushing your 16-bit Genesis, putting in this ad hoc Make it a little bit more powerful, 32x, more colors, etc. But then you're also releasing your next gen console, the Saturn, and uh, then you have a portable version of the Genesis. You can't release them all in the same year, no, because people will want to play their Genesis on the go, but not now when they have the Saturn and the 32x, and now they have the Game Gear still, and, and the Nomad cost more than the console. <laughs> In comparison to the Game Boy, which roughly cost half. I mean, it was I, no, beautiful. I'm sorry. At the time the Nomad came out, I think you could get a Game Boy for like $80. Yeah, I think that's right. It was definitely under 100 And also, 1994 was the PlayStation at home as well. So you had all these. <laughs> so Sega big, was fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you had all these, uh, these hardware consoles at home that could easily have done Top Hunter. Mm hmm. The second favorite system of mine is the Neo Geo. So I will say no, none of them could do it. Yeah. (laughs) 
But then when I think I think the laser active could not just <laughs> laser active beats them all because it's full motion video. That's right. With tiny little eight bit sprites over top of your full motion silicon graphic Hollywood style rendering uh, <laughs> environments. So let's talk about Top Hunter, Roddy and yes. Kathy. It's a horizontal action platformer brawler by SNK from 1994, and I did not really dig this game. Oh, no. Yeah, I I really like it visually, but yeah. I got bored with it very quickly. I think it's a typical Neo Geo-style game. Yes. Um, and you know what I will say, speaking of marking out with video games, when you hear that uh, Neo Geo intro at the top of <laughs> any one of their games— uh-huh. I get like excited. One hundred mega shock. I just get excited hearing that like that tune. I don't know if we can play it right now. No, we can't. Okay, but I'll do it in my mind. Dun, 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 dun. Oh man! Well, that's that didn't do it then. But well. I do. I feel this little bit of excitement in me. Like, oh, I'm in for a treat. Um, and this is one of those B list type of oh. SNK games wow. where like, and Metal Slug is very repetitive too. But I, I would say that I have more fun going back to Metal Slug, whereas I don't think I'd revisit this game unless it was with another player. I definitely would revisit it. I, I think this isn't – maybe it might be B, but it's not C. You no, know, it's, it's, it's definitely not C. Yeah, it's not – Just uh, on this show, we play a lot of great arcade games. Yeah. And this one I think is, is very good. But there's something about it. Maybe we can break it apart or dissect it now. There's something about it that just – it didn't feel – Special to me. Hmm. Well, I love the fact that you have the stretchy arms or the mm. chain. <laughs> chain <laughs> hand. Hook uh, shot. Yeah, hook shot. And I love the fact that you could jump back and forth between the foreground and the background. Now, this is something right. that they had uh, since um, Fatal Fury. Fatal Fury, yeah. So you jump back and forth between the background and the foreground, and mostly you're just trying to kick when you're jumping back and forth and it's annoying. But this actually worked to go between the background and the foreground because there yes. were some obstacles. There were some and the pulling of the chains was also unique. You pull chains in this from the top, you grab onto them with your stretchy things, and uh, you pull down chains and different different things happen. Right. A lot of times prizes will come down or maybe some bombs will drop. There's even some I wouldn't even call them mini bosses, but there's some like I'm thinking of that huge Yeti yeah. thing where like you can't get past right. it unless you get behind it and pull down the chain and then it drops this uh, huge rock on top of them and flattens out. There, there were two clues that I wanted to give for this game yeah. and I forgot about them. And one was, I love you, Bigfoot, but your feet's too big. And the other <laughs> one that I wanted to give was this and see if you can, you can uh, understand this one. Uh, the wind planet? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. No, no. When the, the, oh, we should have done hints with earth, wind, and fire. Oh, lyrics. It all would have worked. See, all yeah. these great hints for this game. They all tie in. But no, that's the the present blowing by every five or fifteen minutes of Animal Crossing. Oh, you know, if you quick get to the top to see the present blowing by in a balloon and hit where your slingshot. That happens in here. There's these floating presents on balloons that you can try to grab on as well. There's a mech suit mechanic to this as well. You play as Roddy or Kathy. They're bounty hunters. They're after four outlaws that are hiding out on four planets. And like we talked about, it's, you know, uh, you go from left to right. 
you're fighting enemies. There's two planes that you can play on. You jump between them. Imperative that you set up your controls nicely so you know the difference between jumping and then jumping between those planes. Because I, the way I first set up my control uh-huh. wasn't working out because I meant to just jump up and I kept jumping back and forth between the two planes. So, make you know, if you find the controls to be weird, it's because your settings aren't set good. So yeah. re- reset them so it works better for you because the game controls really well. I agree. Um, and along the way, you fight guys. Yes, you can jump into a mech suit. I didn't feel like the mech suit was super powerful. I'd often not use it if I had the the other thing that you can collect, which is a power orb. Yeah. And it it makes you all glowy and gold, but it gives you the screw attack ability like in the Super Metroid or Metroid, where when you're jumping, you're spinning. And if anything touches you, it takes damage. You also collect time, which I took for granted in the early stages. But later on, (laughs) well, not even the early stage. What they do is whatever you pick first is going to be easier than what you pick last. But you will take for granted the time that you need in the game because you can just catch yourself sort of playing it like it is just a console platformer not realizing that the time is running out and you Mm -hmm. need to go there was a couple times i just made it under the wire with defeating the boss and having enough time Uh, there's also guns but they're pretty much useless they get a couple shots out of them and then you throw them away and there's gems that you collect for points indeed with all that being said graphically it's a lot of fun goofball cartoon action anime action happening not chibi they've got a nice proportion about them great attention to detail with some of the animations like you get squashed you flatten out like a pancake Mm -hmm. you get burnt you get crispy so there's nothing obscenely wrong with this game it's just i think it lacks for me diversity i understand the two characters have different stretchy arm abilities but maybe if there was a little bit more diversity or there was a larger selection of characters like i'm going back to another snk title shock troopers and there was this whole roster of characters they all did the same thing but they played slightly different from one another i think this game would have benefited from having maybe a third character or a fourth character that played a little differently i would have liked it if the power-ups if there were more of them and they were a little more diverse uh, particularly with the guns if you could pick up other guns and i'm not looking for a gunstar hero clone but you shot a couple little ping pong balls as you put a yeah. couple weeks ago <laughs> and then the gun gets thrown away like if there was going back to metal song, rocket launcher flamethrower like that type of thing mm-hmm. i would have appreciated this game it's just i don't need all of it i just need something of it i need some sort of diversity and after a while it kind of felt really repetitive in the base level of the game. When I got to the boss battles, I really enjoyed them. What I did note was there was this character who was this mid-level boss who kept showing up, who is like a complete ripoff of M. Bison. I know he's supposed to be like a pirate or something, but he looks like M. Bison or Vega or Balrog, depending on where you're listening to this podcast. (laughs) I just thought that was neat. I didn't know why it was in there. The character designs are cool, but again, they have a lot of sensibility to them like Metal Slug does, although they look most similarly to me to the goons from MAD, M-A-D, the antagonist in the Inspector Gadget cartoon. Oh, yeah, they kind of yeah. wore those frogmen suit with the goggles. That's what these guys look like, and yeah. you're going to fight a lot of them. The thing about this title is, number one, I love it. I love the look of it. I love that Neo Geo feel. You definitely know you're playing a game that was created for the Neo Geo. But I didn't know how we got here. I didn't understand how this game came out in 1994, like how we got here. What really was around it that led to stretching your arms out 
Yeah. And going back and forth between the two play fields. And right. now that you mentioned Inspector Gadget, maybe that was the inspiration or the spark or whatever. Maybe. To make this happen, because I, I really couldn't figure out why this game happened. No, neither I, could I. I mean, when I was doing my making mechanics, I'm like, oh, well, obviously, this is a metal slug reinterpretation. And I'm like, oh, this game predates it. I was yes. like, oh, well, maybe it was like Ristar. Maybe Ristar in Japan was more popular for some reason. I don't know. So I looked at it. I'm like, oh, it, it predates that, too. So I, I had the same difficulties. And going back to the playing on two different planes, which this game does well. Other games... Maybe not so much. But this, I think, is is definitely a watermark for a game that uses those two playing fields. You know, like, again, when we talked about Mode 7 with Super Mario World, the big deal about that was, oh, he can go behind the fence. But the game didn't do much more than that. It yeah. was just sort of like, look what we can do. Whereas this game, it's very much a part of it, and it's it's used appropriately and well. But I can't find anything previous to it that would match up to leading, like, the evolution to bring us to this game. I agree with you. It kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. I think Fatal Fury was one of the first that did the the two planes. But, I mean, there probably was things that predated that. And, of course, then on the Virtual Boy, you had Wario Land and you had uh, the the Mario Brothers as Mm -hmm. well. Mario Crash... I would just call it Red Mario because I never played. I love the character Wario and every game he's been a part of. I've played with the exception of that Virtual Boy game. It's really how does that play in comparison? Really well. You know, you have your bull horns and you smash through things. It feels really good. It's spot on with control. Just a lot of fun. Just as fun as as anything else. And then there's those little puzzles to get by things by jumping into the background. Gotcha. And the same with uh, Mario Brothers, because I could not wait for this because it was sort of the return to the original Mario Bros. arcade game where you bop the mm-hmm. different uh, animals from underneath and, the, you know, the pests or whatever, the turtles. Yeah. And that's sort of what you do here, except oh, I haven't played in a while, but I think it was called Clash, maybe? Something like that, Mario Clash, but yeah, uh, yeah, that is on the Virtual Boy, yes, yeah. Uh, so you do that, but then you throw one of your defeated enemies into the background where there's another enemy, oh, and cool. you'd come like you'd be able to go into the pipe, but instead of going up a level on the pipe, you would go to the back on that pipe, and you'd run mm-hmm. around and you'd kick things through uh, that would go from the foreground to the background um, via these. Uh, pipes that connect at the front to the back and then you throw a crossing it was really neat you know you jump on this and you kick it and it would keep going so it was, it was really cool it was a cool adaptation of the original mary brothers arcade so yeah, those two titles used the foreground and background quite well i played a lot of games since then where they're trying to force this foreground and background in an adventure game and it just is stupid mm. they really don't care about it yeah. Um, Revenge of Shinobi even had <laughs> talking about jumping over a fence. You could do that. It didn't yeah. really mean didn't do too much. No, just made you get out of the way of things. And there were a lot of games like that in the arcade too, where you could just uh, you know go behind something or come in front of something. I just was playing a, a couple of titles like that recently. I can't. I just don't recall the, the names. But I really dug this game. Like I said, I don't know wh- why it happened. Maybe it was Inspector Gadget. I don't know the timeline on that. I would assume that was out in 94. 
Yeah, I don't want to make it sound like the game's not a good game. It is a good, solid game. I think it's worth a visit to explore the things that we've discussed with the whole stretchy arm mechanic. Uh, I also will say this. For fans of King of Fighters or Fatal Fury or even Street Fighter, you can pull off Hadouken. You can do the E-Honda palming. You can do, I don't remember which character this was, but you can shoot a fireball into the ground and it will go forward and hit enemies. There's fighting moves. There's fighting movesets in this game, which I appreciate. And I think a lot of... 90s brawlers were just sort of dumped into the market without that sensibility. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. to see that that sensibility is in this game where there are fighting game moves in this game. Otherwise, it's just a punch and kick game. And then it kind of gets boring. There's plenty of things to visit in this game to worth checking out. I probably won't return to it in a while, but if I do return to it, it would be with another player because it's cool to have two players on the same screen, one working in one plane of play, the other one mm. working in the other, and switching yeah. back and forth. That's cool. It's fun. It's fun to play with another person. In fact, I would strongly recommend playing this with someone else because I think it um, increases that fun factor. When I'm thinking back on all my Neo Geo titles, I don't think there was anything incredibly revolutionary. There weren't really trendsetters in the ways that other game companies were taking a chance on things. I think they pretty much played it safe. You know, maybe Super Spy was kind of a risk to have infighting with that first person type of look instead of just like yeah. a cabal or something like that or that type of game. But I think that they tried to improve upon existing sorts of titles, either with improved graphics, which yeah. I think they this all, game is Pretty beautiful. much they always did. Yeah, I think this game's beautiful. I, yeah, graphically, they were always top-notch. There's very few SNK games <laughs> of this some. era that were kind of crummy. <laughs> yeah, there are some that are in there. And, oh my I think gosh. we talked about Football Frenzy is a good example of just kind of phoned in artwork from SNK. There was that run of Robo uh, Robot um, not 8-Man that's awesome. Gra- graphically yeah. Suck it. Suck it. I like 8-Man. <laughs> I don't care who you are. I like 9-Man. Very much a punch and kick game. <laughs> but graphically With speed. But the speed it's super fast. I, kind of. Honestly I'd rather play that air quote speed game than Sonic. Sonic I just I, I just could never until the 3D Sonic came out, I think, you know, for the Dreamcast, while I could still tolerate that uh, yeah. 3D playing mechanics at the time, Sonic just uh, didn't – I didn't think the level designs were that great. No, it seemed very much like a tech demo to say, look how fast right. we are in comparison. Years ago at this point – I can't believe we've been doing this for so many years. But on uh, We Talk Games, I talked about uh, Mirror's Edge and Portal. Uh-huh. And I said, when I played Portal, I had the same feeling inside as when I first played Super Mario Brothers on the NES. The sort of feeling of, this is new to me, this exploration, look what I'm doing, this is clever. And when I played Mirror's Edge for the first time, it was like the first time I played Sonic, where it was like, wow, look how fast I'm going. And, you know, this is just like everything's just uh, so much stimulations coming at me at once. But much like Super Mario vs. Sonic... I hung on to Portal yeah. and wanted more of it at the end, whereas I dropped off of Mirror's Edge sure. maybe halfway through, where I was just like, oh, this is kind of not doing anything now that's new or exciting for me. Right on. Not bagging on any of those games, just saying no. for me personally, that's the the vibe I got from it. 
Yeah, you blow out the innovation, and then it's like the porn effect. You know, right. You get, you get two or three watches out of it, and then now you go on a, you know, <laughs> your standby or something. I don't know. Yeah. And that's what I think about Neo Geo games in general. I don't think there's necessarily anything revolutionary about them, but I could always return to them just for the enjoyment of the artistry of the game. And, uh, you know, what I get to do, it's the same formula. Jesus, so much the same formula for almost all their games. Sometimes the same characters, you know. But something about it, I guess just the art and the sound and the fact that, you know, it's like me looking at a a book of Salvador Dali. You know, I've seen all his pictures before, his paintings and his movies and and his photography, etc. But I still go back and look at it, you know. (laughs) Right. Um, I like the stimulation that the SNK games bring me in the, the games that were designed for the Neo Geo. So, And like many SNK games, it's really short. Like It's very short, yeah. You're not going to invest a lot of time to see the completion of the game, and I think it's worth seeing the completion of the game. The music's nice. It's adequate. There's four different levels based on elements. You got wind, fire, earth, and water, ice, planet. The environments are beautiful. Mm-hmm. It, SNK, for the most part, does a very good presentation with their games. SNK doesn't blow their load on the first level, like we've talked right, about right. in the past with some other arcade games, where it's like, all right, we put everything into that first level because we just want them to keep putting quarters in. Whereas, like, whatever mark of, of excellency or whatever bar that was set on the first level will either be matched or exceeded in most SNK titles. Right on. And I don't necessarily think they increase rapidly in difficulty. I think it's always a slow ramp for I agree with SNK that, yeah. games. Uh, just thinking of it just reminded me of that. It's not the same. It's not like, oh, every level is as easy as the first level, but it's a nice increase. It's not a drastic. First level is easy. Second level, you're out 10 bucks. And now here's T.T. Schmootkins with next week's We Talk Games, Video Power Magazine, Arcade Weekly, Arcade Game Audio Clue. We shall see. Hello, I am T.T. Schmootkins. Here is next week's We Talk Games, Video Power Magazine, Arcade Weekly, Arcade Game Audio Clue. Good luck, dudes. All right, man. What's your clue for next week? We do this weekly? Oh, man. What were we thinking? Holy fucking Christ. My clue for next week is kill the animals with the axe. (laughs) axe. (laughs) Rotations dash wiggly check. (laughs) Uh, Jesus. I know. Oh, I I know. Um, Camels are great sprinters. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, don't be a jerk all the time. And we hope that you like us. Bye-bye.
Diver suit. What's he fucking doing? What's he fucking doing? I don't know what he's doing. He's stuck. Diver suit. Yeah. I can't breathe. <laughs> this ain't fucking funny.